You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to this pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, but also at Walker Mail and at Not of the Scribe. Make sure you check out Locked On NBA too, by the way. Fridays on Locked On NBA. Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavericks and Adam Morris of Locked On Nuggets. They power rank the week that was in the NBA. So you can follow the Locked On NBA pod today, once again, wherever you get your we podcast. Have. So we've gone through the depth chart the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. We did the backcourt. James Booknight talked about what his role might be at the beginning of the season, maybe in the first month of the year. Terry Rozier, Lamelo, all that good stuff. Then we moved on to the front court, more so focusing things, on the, the forwards, small and, and powerful. We did. The wings and the things. Who are the wings? Who are the things? What can be both? We discussed all of that in yesterday's episode, so make sure you go check that out as we're kind of breaking down the backcourt, the small forwards, the wings and things, if you will. Now let's get to the big guys, Nada. It's not necessarily as plentiful as the other two podcasts, kind of talking about those position groups. Um, And there's not too many centers on this team (laughs) that fit that traditional bill of being a center. P.J. Washington, we discussed at nauseum yesterday, being that power forward, also being a very good center for this basketball team last year. They had to rely on that because Cody, good enough. We know my stance on Cody. We know my stance on Biz, but James Brego himself, he relied a lot on P.J. at the center position, and yet he's not going to start. It's going to be Mason Plumlee going in there, and we expect Mason to come in, get the starters minutes, and quite literally the starters minutes right, just going in there at the beginning of the game. But as far as the significant minutes goes, the substantial, the most amount, PJ is going to play a lot at that five spot. But let's focus on Mason because he pretty clearly is only a center on this team. What kind of role do you expect Mason Plumlee to have? What do his minutes look like? What do his stats look like compared to last year? Just spill all of your thoughts on Mason Plumlee, the most true-like five on this squad. The Mason Plumlee thing is the most interesting part to, to this roster for me. I mean, I think he's going to be solid last year. Average 10. Again, average 10, 9, and 3. And I think expecting something somewhat similar. Now, granted, he did it in 27 minutes. And I think that's also fitting just about right at the same time. But there's a part of me that feels like and I know that you remember this because I know we talked and, and I I just remember Rick talking a long time ago about Ramon Sessions. And I'm not sure it was whether it was the first Ramon Sessions session or the second Ramon Sessions session. Um, that's a whole lot of Ramon Sessions. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, he always pointed out that Ramon was always brought in here just to be good enough to push Kemba for the spot. Like, he can start, but at the same time, you hope your internal candidates eventually perform well enough to where they're not necessary. That's my hope for, that's like my hope that he becomes the Ramon's first sessions session of um, the centers. 
I hope he does average 10 points. I hope he does average 27 minutes. I hope he averages close to 10 rebounds. But I also hope that by the end of this season, someone is good enough. I don't know if it's going to be Kai Jones. I don't know if it's going to be P.J. Washington. I don't know if it's going to be Vernon Carey or Nick Richards. I hope one of them is good enough to put him on the bench. That's what I want from Mason Plumley to be good enough to where someone has where he sets the bar high enough to where he's not the starter by March. Is, is that unfair to ask and and expect the Walker? Am I being a little bit too hard on Mason? I don't Plumlee? know if you're being too hard on him. I think I think with Mason. He's pretty much always going to be the starter at five. Maybe you put out PJ as that guy in certain situations, but we we've talked about it a ton. PJ is going to play a ton of minutes there. He's going to be the closing center. James Brago has talked about how effective PJ played at that spot. I think the coach believes in him and he should. The The numbers suggest that PJ was the better center. Mason Plumlee is going to, I think, play the Cody Zeller and the Bismack Biombo role where they're going to start a traditional yeah. guy and then PJ gets the better minutes. And then when you talk about the totals, right? You know, Mason, it is kind of funny. You look at last year, Mason getting a little deeper into the league, being 31 years of age. He actually played the second most minutes per game that he had ever played in his NBA career last season with the Detroit Pistons. The first one came in 2016 with Portland, where he averaged 28.1 last year. He averaged 26.8 minutes per contest. And then after that, you know, it's the Trailblazers in 2015. Remember, he was backing up Nikola Jokic with the Denver Nuggets the past few seasons, so he's hovering even 20 and below per contest uh, and, and sitting around five, six rebounds in, in his time with Denver. The assist numbers were at about like two and a half, something like that. I mean, I don't expect him to play as many minutes as he did with Detroit. Not as a bad basketball team. I know they had a lot of centers, but that was not a team that's nearly as deep as what Charlotte is, even if they had a lot of big guys over there and he was still getting those. I, I was about to say though, that that's the one thing that I worry about as like, I do kind of worry. Like there's no Jaleel Okafor on this roster. Like I would say Jaleel Okafor would get serious minutes here because I don't like the center rotation right now. They're either too good. They're either too green, too young or not good. Enough. Well, I mean, you wouldn't like the center rotation if that. Okafor was here either though. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd, I'd equally hate it. But that's what I worry about is it's just one of those situations where I don't like any of the options outside of Mason Plumley, And I just hope I just pray for player development. That's what I'm praying for right now. Someone between summer league and the first game of the season has gotten good enough to at least make James Borrego think about, hey, Maybe Mason's better coming off the bench with PJ and everybody else, and then we'll flesh out a full top eight at that point. Well, That's my hope. Well, I mean, I, I think, look, if you just want me to give you the numbers, I think Mason Plumley. I said this with Josh Lloyd, I think he gets about 23 minutes per game this year. That'll be down about four from what he got last year. I think he's going to average kind of what he did with Denver. Maybe you expect him to average six, seven points per game. I think he's going to shoot 60% from the field, just like he has that you can, you know, it's something you can set your watch to really the last four seasons, 60%, 60%, 61, 61. I think he's going to average probably maybe because he's going to be the taller basketball player with Charlotte. Like maybe in those minutes, his rebounding rate might be a little better, but 
Uh, for the most part, maybe I'll bump his rebounds per game up to seven, but 23 minutes, not a, like that's, that's what I expect from Mason. And I expect James Borrego to still lean a lot on PJ, right? Like, I just think he's going to be the Cody Zeller, except playing slightly more, you know, so Cody was averaging about 20 last year. I'm, I'm going to put Mason at 23. If you wanted me to, uh, wanted me to be exact. And then, you know, he'll look for those other center minutes elsewhere. And then we can go into that maybe in the next segment. But first not, I want you to tell the people about sweat block because we know how great of a product sweat block is. And we're happy to work with them. You know, the things that are not just fun to talk about, we can include Hornet centers, but another thing that <laughs> is really just not fun to talk about at all is sweat and you're just sweating through your shirt. It's hot. Thankfully, due to the torrential rain, again, torrential rain, it's cooled off a little bit, so you're not sweating as much. But sweat block is stronger and effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You just apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, go about your business without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. It sounds too good to be true. It's not. But I only have to use it a couple of times a week, and it keeps me dry the entire time. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on which one will hide my sweat a little bit better. But if you or someone else you know is dealing with sweat and it just can't help sweating, you need to have them check out Sweat Block. And you can get it today, 20% off on their website using our code Locked On. Or you can go to Amazon or CVS. Trust me, guys, Sweat Block is the sweat plug. You will not sweat anymore. It keeps you dry. It keeps you humane it allows you to do things without worrying check out sweat block and tell them not all right let's go to the next segment where we talk more about pj and a fantasy aspect of him playing center compared to power forward we'll also get to the rookies like akai jones and jt thor as well as the second year player vernon carey still a little more to break down to the center spot coming up next locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets and I was cutting a rug in that place. Not a funk master flex. Shout out so, to him. Again, Walker, how old are you again? Uh, I am 28 years old. <laughs> I didn't know a person under 35 used cutting a rug anymore. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Guys, you know how familiar this sounds. You've got a ton of devices, and one of them lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You're bringing that out. You got a ton of different screens in front of your face. That's not healthy. I need you to do one thing. I got a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, without all the cords, too. It's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, your favorite movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes. You don't have to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. You're not locked in. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required and content varies by package. Let's go to PJ Washington. Did something Josh Lloyd discussed defensively mm-hmm. on the podcast that I talked with him just last week on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Pod. You know what he said how I brought up defensively how PJ was a good shot blocker, something I've referenced on the daily pod, of course, quite a bit and how that allows you to get away with some small ball lineups with the kind of rim protection somebody at that size brings. Maybe other teams don't have that necessarily, but Josh Lloyd always, you know, he mentioned how much 
you love PJ playing at the five, even if you play fantasy basketball, because that seems to be where the blocks come from. If he was playing alongside a biz or a Cody, the blocks wouldn't come as plentifully. So because of course he's not down to the paint, it wasn't his responsibility as much, but when it was his responsibility, he was delivering on the defensive end of the floor. And that's why even defensively, right? You, you mentioned it, you know, last year, quite a bit, PJ became our best defensive center. I don't think with the moves that they made this year, that changes. PJ, on this roster, he's still your best defensive center with that small ball lineup you can go to because of his ability to protect the rim. And I'm hoping Miles Bridges, who also has that element a part of his game, he can also help you out in those Miles and PJ 4-5 lineups. And you don't even have to sacrifice size because Gordon, tall dude, Jalen McDaniels, if he gets in and sneaks in there, that's another really big wing out there. Lamella, we know, is tall. Hopefully he gets a little more, uh, a lot more disciplined on the defensive end. But you've got some things to work with. And so that's why I think PJ is going to get his minutes. We know about his shooting. That's something that is going to stretch everybody out there on the floor. When your center is shooting close to 40% from three, it's only a good thing when that happens. And the one thing that we need to see from PJ, not like if he's going to play that big man spot, you've talked about the rebounding. Sure. uh, I'll always take an improvement in rebounding, but he just has to finish at the rim a lot better this year. And there would be stretches where, okay, it seems like he's more comfortable and then he would revert back to a slump that he had, right? We talked about the inconsistency just when it comes to shot making for PJ and how he performed. I think the two point percentage is going to go up. It's weird to call one of two seasons an outlier, but I think at the end of, let's say, I don't know, four or five years down the road, and we're looking at the way he's performed, I think we'll look to his sophomore year and say, okay, that two point percentage is going to be the worst that he shot within that area. Um, once we're kind of looking back on it in the future. Look, at this point, I am more than willing to call last year an off outlier because of just every bit of the circumstances that he went through. We're talking about a dude that literally got his for the usual jump from first year to second year cut due to the pandemic. He was like, there's a whole bunch of this stuff that really just comes down to he, the pandemic really screwed his development. And so would it surprise me if he has one of those awesome seasons from jump? No, it wouldn't. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a two point percentage improvement. My whole thing. And it's something that I can't get out of my head. And this is just, just me saying this at this point, but at so, like, I just have the memories, and I think you were of like the Knicks game and the Wizards game, where fourth quarter PJ was a center and they just couldn't grab a single rebound to defensive rebound in the third and fourth quarters because they were dead tired. I do think that PJ is going to play a lot of minutes at center. I do worry about the same thing that I worry about with this as, as always. Those small lineups burn out a whole lot faster than your typical lineups, and you're going to need the size. That's my primary concern behind it. Do I think it's going to be their most effective lineup with PJ at the center? Yes. But for how long? That's my question. Can it survive 82 games? Can it potentially survive a four-game series? We'll see. But if you're telling me that this is going to be the most successful lineup, I'm not going to argue with you. I just... I I worry, like, again, it just comes down to how long is it sustainable and can there be another alternative, whether that's going to be a Vernon Carey 
or a Nick Richards, or dare I say Kai Jones, which I'm not so sure is actually happening this year. Yeah, no, it's a good point. They didn't do anything to address that, right? I mean, they 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 still have PJ, and in a sense, you kind of swapped to Cody Zeller for a Mason. You even lost to Bismack Biombo, and you don't have that guy that's going to absorb a ton of the blows that that center position is going to take away from PJ. In fact, it, look, we know we can get into Kai Jones a little right now and just kind of kind of you know bounce around all willy nilly, if you will. Mm-hmm. But Kai Jones is not ready this year and it doesn't mean that it was a bad pick you know like i we're ready to see the growth of kai it, not many people i mean and i i mean that to the nth degree there are not many people on this earth that have the ability to do what kai jones can at that size and his shots not completely broken the shot selection was bad but the shot looks like he can develop that into something pretty tantalizingly so But when you look at what he did in the summer league, you look at how much of a project he was always going to be anyway. You look at what James Borrego said about Kai Jones and just what he's alluded to, at least so far. A lot of commentary we're going to get from him before the season starts. But I just can't go in and fully expect Kai to be an important factor or a factor this season. Next season, different story. We're going to start to have to see some of those, uh, some of the fruits of that labor that I think he's going to put in this year. But we can't expect many, uh, many things from Kai Jones. Same thing goes for JT Thor. He was the second youngest player in the NBA draft this past season. Yeah. So you know those two big guys you got, they're not ready. It's Vernon Carey, it's PJ Washington, and it's Mason Plumley. Those are the guys. I, I you're not even throwing maybe, Richards in there. Wow. No, no, because I don't even know if he's going to make the team. Nada, right? Like I think that's going to be somebody that might be cut. So it's Vernon Carey, Mason, and PJ. That's your center rotation. Wow. I, they, they didn't do anything to fix it. They lost the taller guys with Biz and Cody going down. No, and you're right. I do. And it makes me wonder, does this team, after a training camp, realizing that one, Kai Jones may not be ready, and two, look, realize that a guy like, like, I wonder if they go through this training camp get halfway and then call old reliable Bismack Biombo and say, Hey buddy, are you in Oh, shape? you're bringing him back. Oh no. <laughs> like, no, like people hate when I bring this up, but there's a good chance that Bismack Biombo is on this roster. I don't mind. And maybe it's just me. I don't mind it. I understand the offensive purposes and he's useless on offense. I want people to understand that, as I would argue that the center position is more reliant, like you need good defensive players on at the center position more than you need decent offensive players at the center position. You'd like both, but if you're going to skew one way, you'd much rather skew towards the defensive end because the center is responsible for so, so much. That's why I kind of, like I argued with you about Cody Zeller, but I also understood your point because defensively, he was their best center at times, so was Biz. One of those options is not is no longer there. The other one's probably going to be there if anything goes wrong. So I am one of those that doesn't want to see Biz back, but with the way that the center rotation is built, like you said, Richards might not make this roster. Carry the next defensive play that we see him make on the defensive end at the NBA level will be the first. And then Kai Jones, physically not ready. JT Thor, physically and mentally not ready. And then you have Mason Plumlee. And then we've already talked about potentially using too much uh, 
of P.J. Washington at the center and burning him out early. They're going to probably need another center. I hate to be the negative one. Actually, no, I don't. I enjoy being the negative one because you know why? Well, I don't even think it's that negative, right? Like, I mean, we're just – look, the Hornets – I mean, you can't look at this roster and say, oh, yeah, they fixed all their problems this year. The, the only way you think that is if you think Kai Jones is an immediate contributor. And and in that sense, we're trying to save people because it doesn't mean that it's a bad pick. Like Kai Jones, he's got all the talent in the world. You just can't expect him to come out this season and set the league on fire. He'll put up some exciting dunks, but he's going to put up a lot of DNP and or DNP CDs. He's just not ready, especially with a 10 man, a 10 man rotation that is going to be hard for even James Booknight to crack at times. Yeah. Like the thing is I can understand people being upset that Kai's not playing, but I would point out, like I would love to sit down with everybody and find some way to point out through film. Hey, this is a play where he thought too much in summer league. Hey, this was a point point where he was trying to do too much here. Like, he went one-on-one -on -one too much. It's something that Borrego pointed out almost immediately. The jump shot, the one-on-one -on -one stuff, they're trying to get that out of him for right now. They're going to have to refine a lot and just tell him, okay, as long as you do this, this, and this, and that this, this, and this is probably play the pick and roll decently, focus on offense, catch the ball, dunk the ball. They're going to simplify it as much as they possibly can for him to play as many as much as he can. And even then, I'm not sure physically he can play center yet. And even then, that was the right pick for them to do because developmentally, he is just, you put him in the hands of Nick Friedman and the Greens Greensboro crew, and he's going to grow properly. It's just, it may not be this season, and that's completely okay. You know, one thing, if he's going to put the calories on to gain some weight, he's not going to be able to go to Built Bar for that. Oh, he can man. go there for the energy, and that's more than fine, but he can't do it for the calories because Built Bar, while, that, while it tastes like a candy bar and while you eat it after you work out and you can do that so in a healthy way, I don't know how they make it taste like candy. It is soft and easy to chew, covered 100% in chocolate, but that whole calorie thing... They don't have a ton of them, even 130 at times. I mean, it's ridiculous. They also have low sugar amounts in this amazing energy bar that you can eat when you're hungry or before or after your workout. Flavors are amazing. Double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry. Those are all the staples, but I'm a fan of the limited time flavors. They often introduce grasshopper cookie. They also introduce the churro puff, the double mint chocolate. It's also amazing. Plus, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. How awesome is that? Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, we might try to squeeze a little bit more out of that, but we can also go to the Gordon Hayward blog. He actually wrote a piece and put it up. I didn't even know he had his own blog, um, but he does. And so he wrote something. We could talk about that coming up next as well on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I do not like the MB2 nickname. That oh, it's bad. LaMelo, come yeah. on, man. I mean, look, I, I love everything else about you, but the MB times two. How in the world do you not like Airbnb, but you like MB times two? I, yeah. that's, that's bad. We can't allow him to create. And that's, the, that's the, the reason the rule exists. You can't give yourself your nickname. You can't do that. No, exactly. So, this is as I'm, bad as Kevin Durant wanted to call himself the servant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Before we get started, 
There's another partner I need to tell you about. It's rockauto.com. This is what this episode is brought to you by. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning while you visit the counterman trying to order all those parts? You don't have to do that anymore. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. You can write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right. I will give Nada some credit because this is someone that does like to promise some things, even though I have learned. I used to have those mistakes too, but I've learned not to promise anything because oftentimes you can't cash in. And yet Nada can't help but want to be the guy that promises you this because his intentions are good he wants to give you the content but in the end something yeah, else pops things, up he I, did like, like i'm ahead. attracted to shiny things and i'm not gonna like i like shiny things i like diamonds but you get zapped you are the yes, moth to the flame yes, I am. I'll, I'll happily admit that and and so i'll give you some credit you did text me earlier this morning and you had a honeycomb hero ready to go you told these people Hey, we're going to give you a honeycomb hero. It's something that you have been playing with this idea in your head and you had one ready. I was ready to talk about it as well. But then we came on this podcast and then you wanted to talk about the Gordon Hayward blog. And I was like, all right, we can do that. And then I guess we can save honeycomb hero for something else. But then you talked about these shams tweets like you are absolutely the moth flying away, flying to the zapper. I'm trying to tell you, no, not a no, just come back. Don't do it. Don't do it electrocution and we're moving on to something else and so i think we're just kind of kind of go with this grab bag idea with shams tweets about the nba uh covid protocols ben simmons is there any interest in that tweet or in that trade after the tweets are coming out that he did not want to uh play for the philadelphia 76ers this upcoming season so i'll let you reach into the grab bag nada what are you grabbing now after you've looked at a couple of other so let's start talking about i know no one wants to talk about what the vaccinated players and the unvaccinated players and everything else like that but i figure that's got to that's going to be a little bit of that maybe may or may not be a competitive advantage so as we're we're recording um there's a there's a bunch of stuff that's coming out like there's a memo that is proposing very strict COVID-19 protocols for unvaccinated players where they're going to have like when Brian Windhorse is reporting that team of uh, vaccinated teammates are going to be able to do whatever they want. And on top of which vaccinated teammates aren't going to be su- subject to regular testing. However, if you are unvaccinated, you're going to have to eat, fly and ride buses in different sections of and probably different buses at of for then your co- vaccinated players and that feels like that's going to be very very interesting to me thus far but uh, again walker you may have to set this up a little bit better because i suck at it right now because i'm i'm stunned by the shiny things and everything <laughs> so sham Sharania he tweeted out that the nba has informed teams that it anticipates that fully vaccinated players and team personnel will not be required to undergo regular coronavirus testing for this upcoming season non-fully vaccinated players and personnel will undergo 
regular testing. And so that's something that you're going to have to figure out about your teams. And even in the NFL, we've seen it. The Carolina Panthers, I think, have all but two guys vaccinated as it stands right now. And especially after trading away Denzel Perriman, Sham Sharani also followed up that tweet with fully vaccinated individuals not required to quarantine if there's a close contact and there's no restrictions on team activities. Non-fully vaccinated players are required to quarantine for seven days if close contact. Mask at facilities, team travel, that's all necessary also. We also tweeted out they're not able to sit next to other players during activities. And so maybe you kind of went over that, but that's kind of the official tweet of what Shams was saying. And look, if you have these guys are going to be out for seven days in the NFL, what's interesting is you're missing practice. You know, you're missing team activities and that matters, but you're not missing games because you only play one game a week in the NBA. You could play three games a week and you're going to have a player that misses that time because he's going to be quarantining because he's not fully vaccinated. I don't know what the percentage is going to be. Um, but if you do have that player that has a close contact and we know there are two Charlotte Hornets that, uh, that have actually dealt with that twice this past season. I don't know if they're vaccinated or not, right? Potentially anti coronavirus uh, propaganda. Correct. At the same time. Like that's correct. And you hate seeing that. I mean, it's really disappointing. It is also the two players, again, that have experienced some kind of COVID-19 problems it, twice. One was with the USA Select team, and one was just one time with the Charlotte Hornets and their season. Remember, Miles Bridges was out for a while, and, and that, that hurt them. You know, that really did hurt the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I hope that they're vaccinated. I hope that every member of the Hornets team is vaccinated. But clearly, it can be a detriment, right? Like, we, we've talked about it more with the NFL because the season is gearing up. But regardless of what you think about it, which I hope that you are pro-vaccination. I can't believe there's a thing as anti-pro. But I hope that you're pro. Regardless of what you think about it, it is a competitive advantage to get vaccinated. And if you are not it's a disadvantage and therefore could cause you to lose more games because you're not at full strength. And we know how close the Charlotte Hornets were in that playoff race at the end of the season. So you're hoping that the Hornets can get this issue taken care of just like every NBA fan base should be hoping their team can get this issue. taken. The care other of. thing is, and I'm surprised we didn't necessarily allude to it. Remember miles bridges getting it like catching COVID towards the end of the season Possibly dramatic, possibly affected the Hornets in a way that probably would have seen them at least play two games in that postseason tournament. Remember, Miles Bridges missed what I want to say three games due to that COVID, due, due to the COVID protocols. Didn't come back. Like if Miles Bridges is back for the Pelicans game of last season, I firmly believe they're either seventh or eighth. And then you're talking about losing two games to to get a playoff spot. That suspend that that quarantine period cost them a shot at a legitimate postseason uh, appearance. That could be the margin that also cost them a postseason appearance this year. That's the fun funny part to this. This is absolutely like you said a competitive advantage. It's already bitten the Hornets once. It could bite them again if they don't get this taken care of right now. That's the scary part to all of this. Yeah, I mean, so to answer your question, looking it up, yeah, Miles Bridges, he missed six games being out at the end of the season. So the first game that he missed was May 4th. That was against Detroit. They went two and one in the first three games that he missed, but then they lost to New Orleans, as you mentioned, by two. 
Then they lost to Denver by five. Then they got destroyed by the Clippers. They lost by 23 in that game. He comes back. He plays 34 and 39 minutes, and they lose to the Knicks by nine. They lose to Washington by five, and that's to close out the season. He missed six games at the end. Remember, we didn't even think Miles Bridges uh, would actually come back. Now, what he did return, he was awesome. 30 points, 12 of 21 in that game against New York, despite the loss, and then he scored 17, but it was a bad shooting night for him. Six of 18 against Washington. Either way, you know, point uh, well proven there. Like, I mean, if miles, it, it, hopefully miles don't have to deal with this. Hopefully no player for the Hornets, uh, has to deal with this real quickly. Let's just kind of touch on the Ben yes. Simmons thing. Reportedly, he does not want to play with the Philadelphia 76ers this year. Shocker. Rich Paul uh, is his agent. We know that he's also miles bridges agent, by the way. Um, but rich Paul, Ben Simmons, that whole camp, they're not going back to Philly. Daryl Morey's going to have to pull the trigger on some type of trade. I, maybe not, I guess, unless he thinks he's going to get the fair value, but we know that Ben Simmons at least reportedly isn't wanting to suit up for them this upcoming season. The question that will make local, is there any reason for the Charlotte Hornets to try to explore this? And, and let's say you say, of course, Ben Simmons, really talented player, despite some of the struggles that he had, certainly in the playoffs, certainly will give you that. Um, is that contract worth it to you? What is worth it? Like, what would you be looking to give up in that scenario? And do you think they would have a real shot compared to some of these other teams that might be interested? I would have told you, again, I've argued for this. I would have said this makes a whole lot more sense before the Rozier extension. It doesn't make as much sense now. Not when you still have a first-round pick in the wind to um, the Knicks. That may end up being two seconds, but who knows? Like, you have a couple of assets in the wind that are already there. You have a really bloated roster that I'm not sure that has enough top-end talent to make it worth it for Philly to do. There's a lot of these pieces. It's like a whole bunch of mismatched pieces. Before, you could at least offer to absorb somebody into cap space for them. At least now, I, I, I just don't see it. I would have loved to have made this, like I said, I would have loved to make this trade before free agency. It would have made more sense to do it before free agency. Now, if, I dare, if I'm honest, I think it makes less sense to do it now. I like, And the other thing is, at this point, I kind of want to see what they have. Like, if, if this goes into the season, like, I have a bad feeling it will. The price is only going to go down for Ben Simmons. If that's the case, the same deal that was probably there for the Hornets at, at the beginning of the season right now is still going to be there, and the price tag might even go down. So let's revisit this. I hate to kick the can. Actually, no, I don't hate to kick, kick the can on this. I'm kicking the can to, to, to the trade deadline. Let's see what happens because I'm not sure he's actually getting traded before the season starts. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I don't know what other teams um, make a ton of sense more so than Charlotte in, in some areas, right? Because, you know, Golden State is apparently the betting favorite to land Ben Simmons right now. Makes sense with Moses Moody, James Wiseman. I guess if that's the direction Philadelphia wants to go, but they've got a win now roster and you would have to be getting, I mean, what are, what are you trading for? Andrew Wiggins? Like, does that move the needle for you? <laughs> are you so much better with Andrew Wiggins if on your roster? Needle, you throw away I, the there, there's, Let's be honest now. Yeah, there's there's still in win now mode. Uh, so, like, I mean, I, I understand understand from the standpoint, hey, they've got younger assets. Maybe Philadelphia would be interested in. But when you stop to think about it, they're still trying to win. And how much? I mean, one James Wiseman coming in, like, would you try to flip him? Um, 
and, and then maybe that's maybe that's what you would do. I know there's been some talk with Sacramento. I don't know if if that's actually going to uh, take place at all. Maybe the Timberwolves. Maybe it would fit from that standpoint. Um, I know people have been interested in that kind of move. CJ McCollum is someone that is the favorite to put out there because it's easy enough. CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons feels like Philadelphia is still taking a loss. Maybe you throw something else in there. I don't know. I will say this, not a, I mean, Charlotte, they do have the pieces I think that would entice Philadelphia with a trade for Terry Rozier. That money creeps up pretty close to Ben Simmons. Like you don't have a ton to make up for. And here's a Terry that you're locked in with. He brings you the shooting. There's no doubt about that. And Gordon Hayward has always been somebody that might make some sense for Philadelphia. When now player, even if he is injured, can also shoot the basketball really well. And uh, that would give you close. I I, I think that would close the gap a lot, right? Giving the perception of what Terry Rozier is to a lot of people, and especially with Philadelphia needing some shooting more so than Terry being on close to $25 million a year, Gordon making over 30. I mean, that's a lot of the salary eaten up uh, in order to match what you need to get to go get Ben Simmons. Maybe you throw a Jalen McDaniels in there. So I, I, for me, I, I understand why teams would want to do it. I just don't, I've, I've said a million times, I don't love the contract that Ben Simmons is under because he's getting paid like a guy that's a top two player. And I think we've seen with Philadelphia, it's it's a bad fit with Joel Embiid. I understand that. I still don't want, if he was a free agent, I'm certainly not signing him to the contract that he's currently on if this was a guy on the open market, given what we've seen no, from no, him. And so I don't far. disagree. I just don't, I'm... I love the talent. I think that anytime you can add no-brainer talent, you do it. I just don't know with the way the roster composition is with this team right now, whether it makes sense to do that and what it's going to cost you. Because are you trading Kai Jones for, for Ben Simmons? I'm not sure. Are you trading Terry Rozier? Like, I'm not sure I'm trading Terry Rozier, even if that contract doesn't kick in until next year. Like, I'm of the mind now... Let's see what this team is because this team clearly is not going to be one of those that's like, we are absolutely making the playoffs. They're kind of like, we'll see what this talent dictates for us. We expect to be competitive. We want to be competitive every game. And if the playoffs happen, a true playoff thing happens, then that's cool. But we're not necessarily fully expecting it. They're hedging right now. If this was one of those things where they said, yo, we're absolutely making the playoffs, then cool. I, I could be down with this kind of discussion. But at this point, I think they're okay with seeing what they have and then operating from a position of, hey, we have this Jalen McDaniels before you really have to pay him. How much are you willing to give us? Hey, we have this Kelly Oubre whose contract isn't fully guaranteed. We don't necessarily need him because Book Knight's taken over. There are a lot of these little things that I think they're just going to wait. And I think they are actually in a position of strength going into this, going into the trade deadline, going into next summer. So I kind of want to see what they have. And I think it's fair enough. And I don't I don't think Ben Sims does enough to make it worth you putting this team in financial peril for what it is. And I like Ben Simmons. And, and the other thing too about this real quickly before we end today is, man, that that is a lot of shooting lost from last year. And the players that you brought in are not great shooters. And that's the knock against him. Kelly Oubre, I believe his career best is 35. 
we know Ben Simmons is just a flat out non-shooter. I mean, even from what, like 10, 15 out, just a flat out non-shooter. And we even know James Booknight, that's something that he struggled with. You would have to have a lot of improvement from Booknight, which is certainly possible. Like I think that's in his game in the future, but it, it's not right now from what we saw from UConn. So in this hypothetical trade, you would be losing a Devonte Graham, Malik Monk, and a Terry or Gordon, you know, and, and even a, maybe a Jalen McDaniels or whatever protected first round pick, whatever you want to use as another, uh, another tasty treat for Philadelphia, you'd be losing all of that. And what you're gaining is Kelly Oubre, James Booknight, Ben Simmons, you know, that that's a lot of shooting, which really helped this basketball team last year. So just another thing to think about, but clearly even with the struggles, even with the past of Matisse Thibel cutting short corner, uh, it's uh, still a really talented basketball player. All right, that'll do it. We're going to end the week on the big man talk with Ben Simmons trade talk as well. How does Kai Jones perform, if at all, this season? We had all that stuff covered this week. It was, an, it was fun and, and kind of talking about the depth chart after I did so with Josh Lloyd on the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Pod as well. Tell your smart advice to go play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA, really any show on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Have a great weekend. Remember, next week, we can talk about the Gordon Hayward blog. And, of course, we can get to Nada's Honeycomb Hero. And, and we can take... And what's and up? What, what, we what have else a mailbag coming? We're at we have a mailbag coming. Check your Twitter accounts. We're going to be seeking out people's mailbag. We haven't done a mailbag in what three weeks. We might as well. We're, we're men of the people. We try to be men of the people, at least. So there is a mailbag coming. Keep it keep it out. Keep an eye out for the Locked On Hornets Twitter account because we will be asking. We will be checking and hopefully we'll have just one grandiose mailbag ask us anything it's the off season so let's get crazy shall we all right we're gonna get crazy next week make sure you check us out once again you can find us on twitter at lockdown hornets have a great weekend and we'll be back with you next week